The CDC redraws its vaccine distribution standards after blowback over its racist guidelines. Joe Biden talks of healing while preparing to get radical. And AOC runs into a buzzsaw from her own party. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com. Slash Ben, we'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, quick reminder, you may have been noticing that things are pretty volatile in the United States. And over the past couple of years, if you had taken some of your money and put it in precious metals, you'd be thinking to yourself, boy, I'm a lot richer than that other guy who didn't put their money into precious metals a couple of years ago. Well, look into the future and think about whether you should put some of your money into precious metals and do at least a little bit of diversifying. How about putting some real silver in your loved one's stockings this year as like a highlight of the deal as well? That's right. Today only, for every $5,000 you spend with Birch Gold's group on physical gold or silver or investing in your precious metals IRA, Birch Gold will send you bonus silver. It's the countdown to Inauguration Day. It's a great time to pull some of your earnings out of the stock market and solidify your savings through diversification. You should be diversified across a wide variety of holdings, and precious metals are just one. Here's what you need to do. Text BEN to 474747. When you speak to your Birch Gold representative, let them know you want the free silver with your purchase. Even if you're investing in a precious metals IRA, you still get the physical silver delivered direct to your door. I know the people at Birch Gold, we've been working with them for years, as you know as well. Text BEN to 474747. Get a free information kit on diversifying into gold from Birch Gold. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Countless five-star reviews. Text BEN to 474747. Open a precious metals IRA. Get your free silver today. Okay, so over the weekend, it became quickly apparent that the CDC had completely botched its rollout of the vaccines, at least in terms of its initial standards. So the standards are still being set. They had not yet been finalized. But it became very clear, and we talked about this last week at the end of the week on the podcast, that the CDC had been taking into account race as opposed to just pre-existing condition and age as factors in who would get the vaccine, which is totally crazy. I mean, that's utterly insane. The reason that is insane is because that is highly, highly unlikely to save lives in the same way that tranching out by actual vulnerability to the virus would be saving lives. And just on a pure statistical level, if you want to save the most lives and you help the people who are the most vulnerable, you don't tranche out support to people who are less vulnerable. I mean, this is perfectly, perfectly obvious to anybody who has a shred of both reason and morality. That's all it takes to come to the conclusion that the way that you give out the vaccines is you find the people most likely to die and you give them the vaccine first. End of story. But that is not, in fact, how politics works in the United States. It's one of the reasons we've had trust issues with our public health experts ever since the beginning of this pandemic, because it was quite apparent that their priorities were not only saving lives. Their priorities were not only getting the vaccines developed in the fastest possible time, then getting it out to the people who were most vulnerable. Their priorities were not taking measures that were designed to prevent the most transmission. Their priorities were skewed in some cases. And again, we saw this very, very early on when the entire media and much of the public health infrastructure decided that they were going to endorse vast riots and, and looting and gatherings in the streets over quote-unquote racial justice issues because racial justice was itself a health issue. At that point, they abandoned any claim they could have to being objective public health experts. And once other priorities are starting to impinge on your ability to do your job, then you just can't be trusted in the same way. It's, it's one of the great puzzles of our age that at a time when science has done more to save lives than probably at any time in human history, right? We developed a vaccine, the scientific community did. They developed a vaccine inside of nine months, which is utterly crazy, right? from soup to nuts, right? From the beginning to the distribution. It took less than nine months for them to develop a vaccine, which is an unbelievable feat of scientific engineering and technological know-how. It's, it's an incredible, incredible thing. At the same time, public trust 
in the scientific community has been dropping. And the reason for that is two separate things that have been happening simultaneously inside science over the past several years. One is ultra-crepitarianism. It's a word I've been using more and more lately. What that word means is people speaking outside their field of expertise. People in the scientific community speaking on racial justice issues. Okay, just because you know how a molecule works does not mean that you have good ideas when it comes to how society ought to function. And to pretend otherwise is to engage in ultra-crepidarianism. So you have scientists who are speaking outside of their realms of expertise. And meanwhile, you have science itself being infected by people who actually don't care about the science as much as they care about the politics. So it works both ways. You have scientists speaking in terms of public policy, and you have public policy people speaking in terms of science, and the end result is a muddle. And that muddle is not very good. So here's the deal. We should be very optimistic right now about the future of the next several months. Okay, what I mean by that is not that we are not going to see tremendous amounts of suffering and death over the next couple of months as before the vaccine is able to be rolled out. But the fact that there's even an end in sight is an incredible, incredible thing. Dr. Mansef Slawi, who's heading up Operation Warp Speed for the Trump administration, he explained yesterday they're going to ship out 8 million doses of the vaccine this week. That's an unbelievable feat. We were told by nearly the entire media back in April and May that there would be no vaccine this year. And now we're going to get 8 million doses of the vaccine shipped out this week. That's an amazing, amazing thing. Here was it, Dr. Slawi. We now are clear that we will be shipping uh, five, uh, 5.9 million doses of the Moderna vaccine and 2 million doses of the Pfizer vaccine on Monday. And that's what will happen. And we are increasing the level of communication with the uh, governors in order to make sure that you know, there are no mistakes that happen or miscommunication. Um, we will work and learn from our mistakes every day. And, and our focus is to make sure we get American people as many vaccine doses as are produced. It's an amazing, amazing accomplishment by the scientific community. But again, there are serious trust issues with members of our scientific community. By the way, Anthony Fauci did announce to the world that he had personally vaccinated Santa, which is, I mean, to be honest, I feel like Santa should be in like the top line, right? I mean, the man's, what, several hundred years old and has obesity issues. So... I mean, he probably is among the most vulnerable. I mean, if you're tranching this thing out by, by vulnerability, here's Anthony Fauci explaining that he had personally shot up Santa. I have to say I took care of that for you because I was worried that you'd all be upset. So what I did a little while ago, I took a trip up there to the North Pole. I went there and I vaccinated Santa Claus myself. I measured his level of immunity and he is good to go. He can come down the chimney. He can leave the presents. He can leave and you have nothing to worry about. Santa Claus is good to go. Well, that is indeed exciting news. Okay, so here is the problem, right? All that's good stuff, right? All of this is good stuff. One problem. It turns out your public health experts are screwing everything up. So it turns out now that they were tranching out the vaccine. They'd been telling people that it was time to tranch out the vaccine by using racial equity issues, as opposed to looking at how many people to save. This has all sorts of statistical implications that actually end with more people of color dead, right? If we had actually followed these standards, more people of color would have died. I'll explain in one second. But first, here's what you need to know. What you need to know is that if you vaccinate by age, you will be preventing the most death. And it is very clear that this is the case. Okay, age is actually even a better way of describing how people should be vaccinated than single pre-existing conditions. Now, the reason for that is because if you are 85, the chances are that you have several pre-existing conditions. So if you just look at people who have diabetes versus people who are over the age of 85, people over the age of 85, just as a group, are more likely to die than people who just have diabetes because if you have diabetes, you could be 30, you could be 35. Maybe you have a, your diabetes well handled. Okay, if you're 85, the chances are that you probably have diabetes. 
You probably have a kidney problem. You probably have some lung issues, right? You're 85. I mean, you've lived a long time, and that means that you have multiple underlying issues. It doesn't mean that age itself is the complicating factor. It means that age itself correlates with multiple underlying factors. This is something that Dr. Marty McCary from Johns Hopkins University had talked about extensively, is that for people in the United States above the age of 65, as of about a month ago, only 2,500 people above the age of 65 with no pre-existing conditions had died. So pre-existing conditions still matter, but it's multiple pre-existing conditions that give the game away in terms of like very, very high rates of death. And that correlates very highly with advanced age, not only in the United States, but all over the world. So statistically speaking, here's an example. This is from Israel, okay? So it has nothing to do with the United States or its racial breakdown. David Wallace Wells, who's a liberal, right? He's the deputy editor and climate columnist for New York Magazine. He put out this chart from Arye Kovler on Twitter over the weekend. These estimates are from Israel, he says, but striking. Vaccinate the 0.5% of people over 90. The total fatality risk dropped by 19%, right? By one-fifth. Vaccinate the 2.5% of the population over 80. It falls by half. Vaccinate the 7.5% of the population over 70. It drops by three quarters. Age skew remains underappreciated. In other words, pretty obviously, if you want to prevent mass death, then what you do, and you can see it right there in the stats, if you want to prevent mass death, then what you do is you do it by age. Fortunately, we have public health experts who are uh, both not concerned with public health and obviously not experts who are absolute idiots, right? They are suggesting that instead, for the purposes of racial equity, we should tranche out the vaccine with an eye toward race, which is nuts. Okay, that's nuts. We'll get to that in just one second. First, it is doorbell season, the busiest time of the year at your front door. That is definitely true at my house with Ring. You can keep an eye on all the hustle and bustle at your front door, people dropping off packages, people stopping by just to wave hello. Right? You can keep an eye on all of that from wherever you are, anywhere on planet Earth, because you have the Ring devices on your home and it is connected to the app on your phone. And now you're in charge of your home. Plus, I have three kids under the age of seven. What that means, they are running around constantly. I only have one pair of eyes. There are three of them. The baby is now moving and grooving. She is now crawling all over the house. She will literally pick up anything on the floor and eat it. Does not matter what it is. I have to have an eye on her at literally all times. And this is where Ring comes in. Ring has everything you need to keep an eye on your home this holiday season and throughout the year. You can see and speak to whoever is at your door from anywhere video doorbells. You can keep an eye on every corner of your house with easy to install indoor and outdoor cams. You can help protect your whole home with Ring Alarm. It's a powerful, affordable whole home security system you can easily install yourself for a limited time. Head on over to ring.com slash Ben for special holiday offers. That is ring.com slash Ben. These are devices that really have helped us out. A ring has done yeoman's work in keeping my home and my family safe. They'll do the same for you. Head on over to ring.com slash Ben and get their special holiday offers. Okay, so according to the UK Daily Mail, every U.S. state has been advised to consider ethnic minorities as a critical and vulnerable group in their vaccine distribution plans, according to the Centers for Disease Control guidance. As a result, half of the nation's states have outlined plans that now prioritize black, Hispanic, and indigenous residents over white people in some way as the vaccine rollout begins. According to our analysis, this is again the UK Daily Mail, 25 states have committed to a focus on racial and ethnic communities as they decided which groups should be prioritized in receiving a coronavirus vaccine dose. These included New Mexico, where collaboration with Native Americans is being prioritized, California, which has committed to ensuring Black and Hispanic people have greater access to the vaccine, and Oregon, where health officials have said that ethnic minorities will have equitable access to the shot. Right? Not equal access, equitable access. There's a difference between equal and equitable. Equitable means fair. Equal means the same. Some states have made even more specific plans to prioritize communities of color, with 12 states specifically mentioning efforts to partner with healthcare providers in areas with large minority populations to reach diverse populations, according to the Kaiser Family Foundation. 
Uh, among the states that are giving greater preference to minority communities are the ones that you would suspect, places like New York and California, Oregon, Washington, Nevada, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, Utah, New Mexico, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Kansas, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa and Minnesota, Michigan, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, and Maine. The CDC has issued guidance on its social vulnerability index that uses 15 U.S. Census variables to help local officials identify communities that may need support. It is being used in states like Michigan, where minority status and language spoken could be taken into consideration when deciding how high a priority you are for receiving a vaccine. Maine has developed a racial ethnic minority COVID-19 vaccination plan in an attempt to give preference to groups that, quote, have experienced rates of disease that far exceed their representation in the population as a whole. In the U.S., Black and Hispanic people are almost three times more likely to die from COVID-19 than whites. Well, the reason that that is is because Black and Hispanic people are apparently significantly more likely to actually get the disease. It turns out that it is not that they are particularly vulnerable to the disease. According to the New York Times, there's a piece over the last couple of weeks, Dr. Gabenja Ogidegbe, forgive the pronunciation, began to research coronavirus infections among Black and Hispanic patients. He thought he knew what he would find. He thought infected Black and Hispanic patients would be more likely to be hospitalized compared with white patients and more likely to, more likely to die. That's not how it turned out. So in other words, Black and Hispanic people do not have an innate vulnerability. It has nothing to do with race. What's actually happening is that Black and Hispanic people, because they're disproportionately low income, are more likely to actually get the disease. After accounting for various disparities, Dr. Ogadegbi found that infected Black and Hispanic patients were no more likely than white patients to be hospitalized. If hospitalized, Black patients had a slightly lower risk of dying. That study was published in the journal JAMA Network Open. Three other recent large studies have come to similarly surprising conclusions. The new findings do not contradict an enormous body of research showing Black and Hispanic Americans are more likely to be affected by the pandemic. The coronavirus is more prevalent in minority communities. Infections, illnesses, and deaths have occurred in these groups in disproportionate numbers, but the studies do suggest there is no innate vulnerability to the virus among Black and Hispanic Americans. He says it's about exposure. It's about where people live. It has nothing to do with the genes. Okay, well, then why exactly would we be looking at non-health variables in order to determine how to tranche this stuff out? I mean, this is insane. Hey, Noah Smith, who again is no conservative, right? he's a Bloomberg opinion writer of the left. He, he points out that there are these slides that were put out for possible guidance by the CDC that show essential workers getting this before the elderly. Why? Because essential workers are very likely to be more often black and Hispanic than the elderly. Now, as we talked about last week, there were actual ethicists, supposed ethicists, who were suggesting just this, that because elderly people tend to be whiter because white people live longer in the United States than some other subsections of the population. There were too many old white people. So you know what? In the name of equity, let some of the old white people die in the name of younger, not white people. Give the 20-year-old essential worker with no actual vulnerability to this thing the, the shot before you give an 85-year-old white person that shot. I mean, this is, this is crazy. Okay, and, and I'll tell you why this is especially crazy. It means that more black and Hispanic people will die. Right? Think about the, think about the statistics here. Hey, there are a lot. Uh, it, it's true that a disproportionate number of people by, by sort of demographic, percent, demographic percentage of the population, it is true. A higher percentage of people over the 85 are white than the percentage of people who are 30 who are white. Okay, that is true in the United States. It also happens to be true that the most vulnerable subset of black and Hispanic people in the United States are people who are over the age of 85 because black and Hispanic people respond to the virus in exactly the same way as white people, which is to say, if you're old, you're at serious risk. So if you take vaccines away from the elderly on the basis of age and you give it to essential workers on the basis of race, you will end up with more absolute black and Hispanic deaths 
in order to achieve less relative black and Hispanic death. Right? You will end up with more actual dead bodies that are black and Hispanic because you're not actually prioritizing the elderly. You'll end up with a lower percentage of black and Hispanic deaths because you're prioritizing a, where more black and Hispanic people live in the age distribution of the population. Did you understand how idiotic and eugenic this is? I mean, it's social engineering from the top levels. Games of life and death. That is a game of life and death. Because when you say people above the age of 85, those people get it after the essential workers. What you're saying is not just that a 20-year-old black worker should get it before an 85-year-old white lady. What you're saying is that a 20-year-old black worker should get it before an 85-year-old black lady, right? Because now you're elevating race and the age group where race is most proportionate you are elevating that above where the vulnerability is. And this is what the CDC was recommending. This is what they were recommending in some of their slides. According to Noah Smith, okay, they said that in order to mitigate health inequities, the highest incidence and mortality in congregate living and racial and ethnic minority groups underrepresented among adults over the age of 65. That means that you should actually look to, you should look to focus your outreach, not on the highest incident and mortality in congregate living. You, you should look instead to prioritize the people who are most black and Hispanic, namely essential workers. So if you, if you look, it says to mitigate health inequities, you should start with essential workers, right? Essential workers should be given top priority because racial and ethnic minority groups are disproportionately represented in many essential industries. A quarter of essential workers live in low-income families. Then you should do adults aged over 65, because racial and ethnic minority groups are underrepresented among adults over age 65. Okay, this is purely them saying, we do not care if black and Hispanic elderly people die because you know what? If they die, they're, they're at least dying along with a bunch of white people who are over the age of 85. I mean, that's insane. This is insane. Josh Barrow, again, not a right winger. He says, this is a real concrete error arising from social justice ideology failing to see individuals rather than groups. In general, I don't think the public health community's forays into politics and ethics have gone well during all this. Yeah, you think? Matt Iglesias, who's been a guest on this program and was just rational enough to be ousted from his own job over at Vox, which he co-founded, he wrote, basically, if you take 1,000 prime-age Americans, you'd expect to have 150 African-Americans in the pool versus about 100 if you take 1,000 senior citizens. So in that sense, vaccinating essential workers promotes racial equity because you're giving shots to more black people. But since the infection fatality rate for senior citizens is at least 10 times the rate for non-seniors, you're not actually saving black people's lives this way. You're opting for a strategy that leads to more black deaths and more white deaths than the vaccinate seniors first strategy, but you're deciding it's better for equity. This is what ethics requires. He says, I often feel medical ethics people should run their ideas by a normal ethicist because to me, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Also, says Matt Iglesias, we know the people who have been dying the most from COVID are black senior citizens. The decision here is not to prioritize vaccinating them, but to instead vaccinate a different, less vulnerable group of people and then assert this creates some kind of abstract collective racial benefit. There have been a lot of takes lately about woke liberals prioritizing symbolic racial issues over the concrete needs of non-white people, but this idea really takes the cake. Okay, so even people on the left were like, this is insane. Okay, now in a second, we're going to get to who actually mocked up this slide. You will be unsurprised to learn who mocked up this particular slide for the CDC, which then ended up being used as guidance across the nation. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about investing in art. So when you think about investing in art, you think, okay, I've got to have millions and millions of dollars because if I want a great piece of art that's going to hold its, its value, that stuff is, if not priceless, then millions and millions of dollars. But here's the thing. You can, in fact, invest in art, and you should. If you've been watching the stock market lately, the gap between stock prices and companies' earnings is just crazy. The S&P is trading over 30 times earnings with the top six tech stocks making up 25% of the index. 
Not a lot of diversification happening in the markets. Fixed income, not a ton better. 97% of bonds are yielding less than 5% because of the high demand for bonds. So how are you going to avoid those crazy valuations while preserving your net worth? According to Deloitte, 86% of wealth managers recommend investing in art. In fact, blue chip art outperformed the S&P by 180% from 2000 to 2018 with almost no correlation to the stock market. But if you don't have 10 million bucks to buy a painting, you're basically out of luck until now. Masterworks.io. It lets you invest in art from artists like Monet, Warhol, and Picasso. Masterworks.io is making investing in art as easy as buying stocks online at a fraction of the cost due to the recent demand. The waitlist to invest on Masterworks.io is over 20,000. Our listeners can skip that waitlist. Go to Masterworks.io, enter promo code BEN. I've looked at this. It's really, I've done the website myself. It's really fantastic. Again, that is Masterworks.io, promo code BEN. Go check them out right now. See important information at Masterworks.io slash disclaimer and invest in an asset that is always going to be worth a fortune. And that is Masterworks in art. Masterworks.io, go check them out right now. Okay, so who exactly rolled out this idiotic idea? Who actually did this? Well, it turns out that the person who rolled this out is a person named Joe Walker. And Joe Walker tweeted out over the weekend because Nate Silver was like, this makes no sense. This is kind of crazy what you're doing right now. And then he trended because the woke control Twitter. I mean, Twitter is just the, the mobocracy that controls Twitter is the woke. So Nate Silver was like, these standards make no sense. So basically, on the one side, you had rational liberals like Matt Iglesias and Nate Silver who were like, this is crazy. You're going to get more people killed and significant, like tens of thousands of more people killed with these standards. And on the other side, you had the wokes who were like, yeah, but you know what? That's racially just because more white people will die. And so who actually mocked this up? So this person named Joe Walker tweeted, hey, Nate Silver, I'm the epidemiologist, epidemiologist who did this analysis. The slide you show assumes a disease blocking vaccine, which still allows the virus to infect and spread. Differences in strategy are much smaller than if you assume vaccine can also prevent infection and transmission. Okay, but that's not the point. Who exactly is Joe Walker? Joe Walker is a CDC infectious disease epidemiologist and modeling. Okay, also non-binary trans, they and them in the profile for this person is the trans flag. And then it says festively defund the police. Festively. You know, it's that, it's that kind of year, guys. It's, 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 the, it's the most radical time of the year. Festively. Don't, don't just defund the police so that people get killed. Do it festively. Make sure that you put some bells on when you do it. So that is, um, that is pretty incredible. Okay, plus you had people suggesting that we should actually value pre-existing conditions over age, even though that is not what the statistics tend to show. So Zoe McLaren tweeted this out. Zoe McLaren tweeted out, non-white people die from COVID-19 much more often than white people of the same age. Prioritizing those with pre-existing conditions is one way to help redress racial inequalities without explicitly prioritizing by race. It's not indefensible. You just don't understand. No, 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 no. We understand. Also, it also happens not to be true. Right? As I mentioned earlier, that New York Times piece focuses in on the fact that if you are black or Hispanic or white, you're dying at essentially the same rates. It's just the black and Hispanic people are getting this more often. Okay, so over the weekend, the CDC then revised its standards. Yasha Monk, again, no one I've cited thus far on the show is a right winger. No one. Yeah, I was on this last week, like fairly early last week, but the, the, the kind of typical moderate liberals picked it up and they ran with it and good for them. Okay, Yasha Monk, he said some good news. Thanks to massive and justified public criticism, the CDC is making adjustments to their recommendations. Americans over 75 should now get the vaccine alongside essential frontline workers. That is an improvement, but it doesn't solve many of the concerns. First of all, they shouldn't get it alongside frontline essential workers. They should get it before frontline essential workers. Again, if you're a 20-year-old working in a grocery store, that's crazy. 
That's especially crazy when you look at who is considered an essential frontline worker. As Josh Barrow points out, here is, is who is considered a frontline essential worker. You ready? First responders like firefighters and police, teachers, teachers, okay, teachers are not uniquely vulnerable to this virus. They're not. I'm unaware in the United States of any teacher who has died after being infected at school. If there are one, if, the, if there is one, name them. Okay, seriously, because we saw a lot of stories over the summer about teachers dying. It turns out they've been infected elsewhere. So teachers, like if I have a choice between 35-year-old teacher and 75-year-old grandma in a nursing home, that is not a hard choice. But it is for the CDC because our public health experts are not public health experts. They are, they are apparently politically driven idiots, moral idiots. Who else is a frontline essential worker? Food and agriculture, manufacturing. So you work in a factory and now we are treating you as though you're 85 years old and you have three pre-existing conditions. Corrections workers, U.S. Postal Service workers. Okay, if you're a U.S. Postal Service worker, first of all, I mean, I love our mail guy, but he's literally just taking packages and then dropping them off on the front stoop now. Right? There, there's not a lot of face-to-face contact. Public transit workers and grocery store workers. So we are, there are 30 million of those people. So we're going to give 30 million doses to those people as opposed to people who are significantly more vulnerable. By the way, other essential workers who will also be prioritized as this thing rolls out include people in finance, IT and communication, energy, media, and legal. Okay, I should not be prioritized in the vaccine line. I'm 36 years old, 36 year old, years old thank God, healthy. By the way, my wife should not be prioritized in the vaccine line. She is 33 years old and she is in excellent health. And also, she happens not to be working with COVID patients right now. Like doing this by industry is also idiotic. Doing it by pre-existing condition and age, age prior, uh, being the priority because it's an easier stand-in than multiple pre-existing conditions. That is obviously the answer here. But I mean, come on, come on. These standards are still not good. Anyway, Yasha Monk continues. He says, in particular, the CDC's own data still suggests Americans aged 65 to 74 are much more likely to die from COVID than younger frontline workers. So of course, this action will likely still cause needless additional deaths. How many? This is where things get really worrying. In the original CDC presentation, Kathleen Dooling admitted that prioritizing all essential workers would likely increase overall deaths by between 0.5% and 6.5%. She then called the additional deaths of thousands of Americans a quote-unquote minimal difference. That is the difference, uh, 0.5% and 6.5%? Are you kidding? When we're talking hundreds of thousands of deaths? You're, you're, you're talking about like tens of thousands of people dying because you guys set crappy woke standards for how to tranche out the vaccine. That's nuts. That's nuts. So where is all of this coming from? Where is all of this coming? We're going to get to that in just one second because it comes from a woke ideology that cares less about human life than it does about social engineering. We'll get to, and, and by the way, it's going to be dominant in the Biden administration. We'll get to that in a second. First, when you use the bathroom, you really should close the door for your sake and the sake of everybody else. When you use the internet, you should close the door as well because honestly, what you do on the internet, that's nobody's business. There are hackers out there who are seeking to exploit your data. There are social media companies that want to take your data and then make money off of it, all while trying to exclude you from saying what you want to say on their platforms. And your ISP knows every single website you visit. What's worse, they can then sell that information to ad companies and tech giants who will use your data to target you. ExpressVPN puts a stop to this. It creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so your online activity cannot be seen by anyone. I use ExpressVPN on all my devices. It works on everything. We're talking phones, laptops, routers. Everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can still be protected even if they do not have ExpressVPN. The best part is using ExpressVPN is as easy as closing the bathroom door. You just fire up the app, you click one button, you're now protected. ExpressVPN, it's the world's number one rated VPN by CNET, Wired, The Verge, and countless others. So 
If you're like me and you believe your online activity is your business, secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com slash Ben today. Use my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash Ben. You get an extra three months for free. That is expressvpn.com slash Ben. Okay, so where is all this coming from? Well, you know, when, when President Trump talked very early on about the deep state, I thought in, in some cases he, he was not being particularly specific about what he meant. But what he actually meant, I think, is that there are a bunch of holdover staffers, people like the festively defund the police person who staff all of these agencies. And when you enter office, you don't go person by person and just get rid of all of them. That's nearly impossible. There are two million members of the executive branch, which is why we should completely minimize the executive branch. But there are a lot of people out there who have these standards, and a lot of them are infused by woke ideology. You think that Trump would have approved something like this personally? You think that, that Trump's CDC heads would have been super happy about the quote-unquote equitable distribution of the vaccine as opposed to, you know, trying to prioritize the people who are most likely to die? I have serious doubts that that is the case. I mean, this is the same president who attempted to get rid of critical race theory being taught in government offices and across government auspices. And so where is this ideology coming from? It is coming from a left-wing ideology, which has always suggested that every crisis is an opportunity for social leveling. Every crisis can be wrapped up into a ball. It is all the same. What you're looking for in the end is redistribution on a group intersectional basis. The left coalition, which is all about cobbling together the sort of victims of the, of the white supremacist superstructure, the way, this is the way they talk, the, the attempt to bring together this coalition against the system and to view every problem through the lens of race leads to this kind of quote-unquote social justice outcome, which is horrifying, including for a lot of members of the minority community, particularly in this case, members of the minority community who are older. And you, you, can, you can see how the how the social justice woke ideology looking at people prior, primarily in terms of racial group is really bad and racist, by the way. It used to be that we were pretty clear about this, that this stuff was racist. Now, under the guise of wokeness, being racist has become woke. Being racist is the new anti-racist. It's really exciting. And so you can see this infuses how Team Biden thinks. So earlier this year, for example, President uh, Biden, who is now legally the president-elect, or at least will be on January 6th when the House votes, Biden, he, he spoke earlier this year about COVID and he wrapped everything up into a ball. All of his priorities are wrapped up into a ball. Now, they shouldn't be. The priority on COVID should be, wait for it, saving lives. Obviously, when it comes to scientific and government policy, it should be saving lives. And by the way, preserving the economy, there are other balancing considerations. But one of those considerations is not race, nor should it be. But for Biden, it's all the same. The economy is all about producing racial quote-unquote equity. What he means by that is uh, racially equal outcomes. Climate policy is about producing racially equal outcomes. COVID is about producing racially equal outcomes. Everything is the same. It's all one big ball of mush, and you wrap it all up, and it's the exact same goal, and the same goal is social justice. Here is Joe Biden doing this routine just a little earlier this year. The irony is we have, we have four crises. The first crisis is COVID. Second is the economic close to recession and maybe worse. The third crisis is the, the inequity that exists and the racial inequity that exists. And the fourth crisis is climate. Ironically, they all work for one another. The first time the American people looked out there and said, my Lord, I guess all those things I heard about, and even though I don't live in neighborhoods that have large black populations, I didn't realize police actually do those kind of things like I saw with George Floyd. Okay, so again, all of this is wrapped together. It's all social justice ideology in which people are segregated by race. And then we are supposed to treat government policies end as achieving an equal outcome 
where all the groups have the same average and all the groups have the same distribution and all that, which of course is not possible via government policy. Okay, so when it comes to health policy, this is particularly a problem. This is how Biden thinks, right? This is how the Democrats think. This is how the media think. And it's really bad. It has really, really bad ramifications, especially when you get into realms that are beyond the realm of simple sort of racial politics. Okay, this is why earlier this year, I mean, not very long ago, just a couple of weeks ago, Dr. Marcella Nunez-Smith, who heads up health ethics or something at Yale and who's been appointed by Biden to member of his COVID team, she was speaking at one of his pressers and she said health access equity is the priority, not that people who are most vulnerable should be able to get the access to the health they need, but health access equity, equity. Again, whenever the left uses equity, understand what they mean is equality of outcome. They do not mean that if you are equally vulnerable, that a black person over the age of 85 should have the same access to the vaccine as a white person over the age of 85. I agree. That's obviously true. If you're over the age of 85, we should treat you exactly the same. But we shouldn't treat a 20-year-old essential worker the same as an 85-year-old black grandma or white grandma for that matter. Anyway, here is Dr. Marcella Nunez-Smith spelling out this ideology, which has real ramifications for real people and real deaths. It is our societal obligation to ensure equitable access to testing, treatments, and vaccines. Equitable support for those who are hurting and equitable pathways to opportunity as we emerge from this crisis and rebuild. Yeah, again, equity, equity. But again, when I think equity, what I, when I think fair, I think the person who's most vulnerable should go first with the vaccine. Right? That's what, when I think fair, I think equal rights under law. Right? That's fairness to me. Right? Equal rights under law is fairness. To the left, equal outcome is fairness. And it's done by group, not by individual. By the way, this is the same lady who said in an interview with the AP, she said, quote, We've had a collective witnessing as a country here in 2020 around the pervasive, deep-seated challenge of racial injustice. And COVID-19 exploited that reality. So here she was lumping together all the George Floyd stuff with COVID. And then she said, there are moral and pragmatic reasons to address inequality. We can't pretend that COVID-19 has been an equal opportunity offender. Ah, the virus is racist, you see. It's not an equal opportunity offender. Okay, the virus is indeed an equal opportunity offender. That does not mean that the rain falls on everybody equally. Some people have umbrellas and some people do not. But it does mean... That for all those who don't have umbrellas, we should try to make sure that we get them umbrellas and then we do so in the priority order where they're most likely to be harmed by the COVID rain, so to speak. We'll talk more about the, the, the ramifications of this asinine, backwards, and really ugly ideology in just one second. First, let us talk about getting a good night's sleep. So one of the things you're definitely going to need, you're going to need the best pillow. And good news, you can get the best pillow from Mike Lindell over at MyPillow. His stuff is just great. Their pillows? They don't go flat. One of the things you may have noticed about your pillow is that it is now a pancake. You can also wash and dry your My Pillow as many times as you want. They maintain their shape. Best of all, they are made right here in the United States. If you don't have a My Pillow or you know somebody who doesn't, now is a great time because for a limited time, Mike is offering his premium My Pillows. That would be the one that started it all for the lowest price ever. You can get a queen size premium My Pillow regularly, sixty nine ninety eight for just twenty nine ninety eight, which is one hell of a deal. That is forty bucks in savings. King size pillows, only five dollars more. Now is the time to buy. Not only are you getting the lowest price ever, they are the best Christmas gifts ever. $29.98 for a queen-size premium MyPillow. Buy now. Mike will extend his 60-day money-back guarantee to March 1st, 2021. Head on over to MyPillow.com right now. Click on that radio listener square there. You will find not only this incredible offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including their Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets, or call 800-651-1148. That's 800-651-1148 and use promo code DAILYWIRE for the special deal. And these pillows are great. I mean, they're so good that we got a bunch of them just for our house. They're so good. And so go check them out right now at MyPillow.com. Click on that radio listeners square. 
or call 800-651-1148. Use promo code Daily Wire. Okay, we're going to get back into the ramifications of evil woke ideology. And it is. I mean, once you're talking about more absolute deaths because you're trying to establish quote unquote fairness so more people have to die, uh, you're now talking about evil. Right? You're not talking about weighing goods. You're talking about actual acts of evil. Once you say 85-year-old black grandma got to die because we have to have more proportionate 20-year-old essential workers vaccinated. There's no other word for that. That social engineering is eugenic and it's evil. We'll get to more of this in one second. First, Daily Wire is excited to announce the historical docuseries, Apollo 11, What We Saw. It's now available exclusively for Daily Wire members. Originally released as an audio podcast for Apple and Spotify, What We Saw takes a detailed look at the Apollo 11 mission to land a man on the moon. It was the culmination of a heated, decades-long space race between Cold War rivals, the United States, and the Soviet Union, the podcast explores one of America's greatest accomplishments through the eyes of the millions of Americans who lived through it. Here is a little bit of the trailer. Apollo 11, this is Welcome to Apollo 11 Mission Control. Uh, what's left of it anyway? The space race, 12 years of open warfare between two superpowers. The United States and the Soviet Union. We used our best missiles, our best pilots. Scientists and engineers. We employed aircraft carriers, radar stations, all the military hardware we had to defeat our ideological nemesis when each team had over 20,000 nuclear warheads apiece. The space race was the defining act of the second half of the 20th century. Time for this nation to take a clearly leading role in space achievement. 50 years ago, men from planet Earth first set foot upon the moon. You owe it to yourself and to history to experience the space age from the inside and see how it took hundreds of small steps to get to that one giant leap. I'm Bill Whittle, and this is What We Saw. Now, Apollo 11, what we saw, it's available to watch as well as listen over at dailywire.com or on our Apple TV or Roku app. The series is just one piece of all the new content we have coming down the pipeline. We have so much good stuff coming for you, including a brand new show with Candace Owens, the entire PragerU library, a new entertainment channel, a new investigative journalism team. Become a Daily Wire insider or above member for 20% off with code WATCH over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Make sure to download our Apple TV or Roku app to get all our content on your big screen, including our podcasts and special live streams like tonight's Christmas edition of Backstage. That is dailywire.com slash subscribe to get 20% off your membership with code WATCH and access to all of our new and existing content. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Alrighty, so it is not just with regard to COVID policy that racial wokeness has real effects. It also has real effects over in, in the area of criminal policy, which we already know. We have seen crime spike in major cities around the nation as city after city collapses to the woke ideology, which suggests that the real reason that so many black and Hispanic people are going to prison is not because many people are committing crimes and that we arrest people regardless of race when they commit crimes, but because the police are inherently racist. This is why you have the BLM leaders who are now praising LA's new progressive DA, Melina Abdullah, who is an insane person. Okay, Melina Abdullah used to teach over at Cal State University, Los Angeles. Uh, I only know about Melina Abdullah because when I traveled to Cal State, Los Angeles, uh, and there was very nearly a riot, I mean, like a full-scale riot with people getting beaten up in the crowd and everything, she was the person who had basically started all of that because she had proclaimed that I was actually secretly a member of the KKK, the, the yarmulke was the dead giveaway. Well, now Melina Abdullah, who's a Black Lives Matter leader, she, she put out on her social media, quote, rarely do I trust a politician, never 
Have I trusted a cop or former cop? But George Gascon seems like the real deal to me. Although I vehemently opposed Lacey and voted for Gascon, I didn't endorse him when he ran. Now that he's in, I am deeply impressed by his commitment to meaningful change, his courage in the face of threats by some powerful adversaries, and his strong collaboration with progressive allies. I'm posting this because just as we hold electeds accountable when they harm communities, so we must also stand with those leaders who advance justice. We're with you, George Gascon. Don't let the a-holes who are dead set on maintaining an unjust system sway you. Okay, she, of course, is, again, a radical, crazy person. And she was very happy because Gascon announced that he had reinstated the use of some sentence enhancements for cases involving the most vulnerable victims and then reversed course. And so he, 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 he's just terrible. I mean, this, this DA has basically been suggesting that he is not going to, under nearly any circumstances, prosecute people for actual crimes. He announced an end to cash bail. He said he would stop trying juveniles as adults. He would prohibit prosecutors from seeking the death penalty. He would eliminate all sentencing enhancement. Okay, also, he, he did not campaign on that, by the way. His plan to do so was met with immediate resistance, according to the Daily Wire. The policy changes sparked a revolt from local law enforcement unions and several deputy district attorneys within Gascon's office. On Friday, he accused gullible members of the media of being exploited into, quote, airing vile and sensational claims. Okay, the, he's, again, a radical leftist who believes that the reason that there are a disproportionate number of black and brown people in prison is not because a disproportionate number of black and brown people are committing crimes, but because the police hate black and brown people. And so he is just going to stop enforcing the actual law, this new DA, which is crazy. It's, it's, it's pretty wild that, that this his, his original order remains in place, by the way. Defendants with prior strikes under the state's three strikes law, those who have been in prison recently, those listed in the state's gang database will no longer face extra time behind bars. Prosecutors still prohibited from seeking sentencing enhancements for the use of a gun unless the manner in which the weapon was used in a crime exhibited an extreme or immediate threat to human life. So if you break into somebody's house and you got a gun on your waist, no problem. If you break into somebody's house and you pull the gun out of your waistband and you point it at somebody, then you have a problem, apparently. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. The L.A. Protective Police League issued a statement after Gascon slightly reversed himself. They said it took a national outcry for him to understand that child rapists, human traffickers, and perpetrators of violent hate crimes should spend more time behind bars. He's still willing to go easy on gang members who terrorize our neighborhoods or criminals that shoot cops in the back of the head, which of course is true. In fact, it's so true that over the weekend, he was caught on tape telling somebody in the public that people who were protesting him were terrible people. It turns out one of the people protesting him was actually, I believe, the, the mother of somebody who had been either raped or murdered. Here's what that sounded like with George Gascon. I apologize. You know, it's unfortunate that we have people that do not have enough education to keep their mouth shut for a moment so we can talk. Oh. Uh, but oh. anyway. My uh, son can never to... speak again because he was murdered. Uh, he was kidnapped, tortured, uh, and murdered. Meanwhile, you have Bill de Blasio in New York, who is again mimicking this woke ideology with disastrous consequences. He's been suggesting that when it comes to everything from policing policy to schooling policy to COVID, it is time for racial equity, right? Everything That means shutting down charter schools, guys. Exciting stuff. It means higher taxes. And it also means the police can't do their job. But also when it comes to COVID policy, like when you're, when you're lodestar, when the thing that you are searching for and the, and the center of gravity in your political universe is a utopian vision in which all groups are leveled, even though you don't want to treat people as individuals, you want to seek group justice at the expense of individual justice, you're likely to pursue terrible policy. Well, that's what Bill de Blasio has done all along. If you're talking about 
the problems of disparity. If you're talking about structural racism, certainly policing is not the only area to talk about. There are many areas to talk about, and education must be front and center. There has been so much that needed to be addressed in education in New York City. And from the beginning, what I tried to focus on was a very simple concept, equity and excellence, that we needed to profoundly change the distribution of resources. Uh, I like to say very bluntly, our mission is to redistribute wealth. A lot of people bristle at that phrase. That is, in fact, the phrase we need to use. So his, his mission is not success and individual rights and the ability of everybody to rise. His mission is to redistribute wealth. I mean, he's at least saying it, the, the communist bastard. He's at least saying it out loud. It's amazing. It's amazing stuff. And take this to its logical extreme, and this is where you end up with the Ibram X. Kendi idea that we should have a Department of Anti-Racism at the federal level capable of shutting down any law that does not result in equal outcome by racial group. It's where you, it's, it's where you end up with, with articles. I mean, why, why not just do what Brandon Hasbrook suggested over the weekend over at The Nation, the wild left publication The Nation? He says the votes of black Americans should count twice. Not kidding. There's an actual article in The Nation. He says that, um, you know, one of the big problems is that white people, they're voting because of the Electoral College votes too much. And so therefore, we should double count ballots cast by all black residents. Just double count them. I have an easier way of doing this. We could count white votes as three-fifths of a vote. We could call it the new three-fifths rule. And um, then I guess the three-fifths rule would be good, right? Because when it's, when it's three-fifths rules designed to oppress black people, that's not even what the three-fifths compromise really was about. That was, that was actually designed to minimize the impact of slaveholding votes in the South. The North wanted three-fifths because black people couldn't vote. But in any case, that's a little bit more of a complex story. Bottom line is this. This guy is actually suggesting a new three-fifths rule, but it's good now. Three-fifths rules are good now because they are reversed. This ideology is poisonous, it is disgusting, and it is vile, and it is dangerous. It is dangerous as well. And meanwhile, in your latest episode of people ignoring the rules that they don't think apply to them, there's now a report claiming that Dr. Deborah Burks, who's of course on Trump's coronavirus advisory team, violated her own Thanksgiving coronavirus recommendations, according to Ryan Saavedra over at Daily Wire. A report emerged on Sunday claiming that Burks violated some of the recommendations she made about how Americans should proceed with family interactions around Thanksgiving. During a press briefing on November 19th, Burks repeatedly urged people to, quote, increase their vigilance at this moment. Part of the guidance was to limit interactions indoors to immediate households. Well, the AP reported on Sunday that Burks, who has worked for both Democrats and Republicans, traveled to a vacation property she owns on Fenwick Island in Delaware, where she was joined by three generations of family members from two households. She insisted the purpose of the roughly 50-hour visit was to deal with the winterization of the property before a potential sale. Burke said everyone on her Delaware trips belongs to her immediate household, even as she acknowledged they lived in two different homes. She did acknowledge that her family shared a meal together while in Delaware. The AP did not say whether it was indoors or outdoors. Whether outdoors, by the way, there was in the high 50s or low 60s. So good times over there. The, the rules don't apply to the little people. They, 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 the rules don't apply to the people who are important. They just apply to the little people. So that is uh, very, very exciting stuff. By the way, when we talk about the cost of COVID policy, worth noting that San Francisco, when we talk about the cost of shutdown, San Francisco has had more people die of drug overdoses so far this year than people dying from COVID. San Francisco has seen 173 deaths from COVID-19 this year. 621 people died of drug overdoses in San Francisco this year. Okay, the two are not completely unrelated when it comes to these lockdown policies. Meanwhile, Joe Biden... Uh, he says it's time to heal. So that's exciting stuff. I'm always excited to hear from uh, a guy who is pushing for the woke agenda, telling us that in one month we begin to heal. I don't know what the hell that, that is supposed to mean. We begin to heal. Does he really believe that, that 
Trump is the only thing that has been prevented. It's like a splinter. And then once Trump is removed, we begin to heal. Or are there deeper underlying issues? In my opinion, there are deeper underlying issues. In fact, Biden held a call over the weekend with Mexico's president, Lopez Obrador, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. They had a phone call on Saturday and they discussed working together on a new approach to migration that, quote, offers alternatives to undertaking the dangerous journey to the United States. He's going to radically shift immigration policy. But don't worry, the healing has begun. It will begin with caravans headed toward the American southern border. That is that is very exciting stuff. By the way, he's already signaled, Biden has, that he wants to undo agreements with Mexico and states in Latin America that allow people to apply for asylum from the states where they are coming from, as opposed to traveling up north to the American border, where we then have to house them and try to distinguish them and release them into the interior. According to Axios, the statement from Biden's transition team on the call details represents a key part of the president-elect's plan to overhaul Trump's aggressive border policy. Biden has vowed to end Trump's remain in Mexico policy that saw tens of thousands of asylum seekers forced to wait for their court dates in Mexico. The transition team said in its statement, Biden reiterated in the call, he would stand by the commitments he made on the campaign trail. He noted it would take time and resources to implement those commitments effectively. Apparently, he also wants to spend an awful lot of money in El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, and Southern Mexico. And he wants to build the regional and border infrastructure and capacity to facilitate a new orderly and humane approach to migration. Yes, I'm sure that's what's going to happen. Not more giant caravans to the border, which then result in mass release into the interior of the United States, which has been the traditional American policy up until the point of Trump. Meanwhile, we're being told good news. Joe Biden, as honest as the day is long. I mean, the man is just, he's so honest. And we know he's honest because his son is deeply corrupt, but he still thinks he's honest. In any case, Jen Psaki, who is Biden's spokesperson, she says, you don't have to worry about whether Biden is going to intervene in the Hunter Biden investigation. He, he's not, he's not. And I, I believe her. I believe her. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Here's Jen Psaki. He will not be discussing uh, an investigation of his son with any attorney general candidates. He will not be discussing it with anyone he is considering for the role, and he will not be discussing it with a future attorney general. It will be up to the purview of a future attorney general in his administration to determine how to handle any investigation. Oh, goody. Uh, that, that's, that's exciting stuff. Sure. Uh, appoint a special counsel now, gang. By the way, the, the time for healing has already begun. The Washington Post printed a cartoon over the weekend. The media are very into the healing. The Washington Post printed a cartoon over the weekend that literally portrayed Republicans as physical rats, like put their names on various types of cartoon rats, like a hundred of them. Really, really solid stuff right there from the uh, n- nothing. Nothing says coming together and healing sort of like radical dehumanization by actually drawing your opponents as physical rats and putting their names on them. Really good stuff. OK, a couple of quick political notes before we part today. So uh, number one. I just have to note this because it's hilarious. Uh, uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, she keeps saying that she's a very important legislator. Um, it turns out that her own party is like, nope, we, we're not, we don't like you very much. <laughs> it turns out that the uh, dislike for AOC spans the political aisle. According to Ryan Savetter reporting over at Daily Wire, Representative Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez was overwhelmingly rejected during a secret ballot vote on Friday in her bid to be seated on a powerful congressional committee. Democrats overwhelmingly voted to give the seat on House Energy and Commerce Committee to Representative Kathleen Rice, Democrat of New York, instead of AOC, in what ended up being a 46 to 13 vote. Ouch. Kathleen Rice is uh, a more moderate Democrat who also happens to have spent her time, instead of posting videos on Instagram or on Twitch, actually working the Democrats in order to get that slot. According to Politico, Rice and Ocasio-Cortez have been battling behind the scenes for weeks to secure one of the few open seats on the exclusive committee, which oversees everything from healthcare policy to climate issues. 
Tensions spilled out into the open Thursday in a private meeting of the Steering and Policy Committee, where Democrats were forced to choose between the two members in a tense and awkward secret ballot vote. They still have secret ballots, so you can say that you don't like AOC anonymously. Politico notes that Ocasio-Cortez was rejected because many in the party view her far-left policies as a threat, and also she's been backing all sorts of challenges to incumbents, and they're like, you know what, screw you. One member of Congress told Axios the vote would have been very different if it wasn't secret, which suggests Democrats are afraid of AOC publicly, but secretly they really, really do not like her at all, like at all. So that was a bit of delicious news. Final bit of news that is worthy of comment today. There's a report out there that President Trump met with Rudy Giuliani, as well as Sidney Powell and Michael Flynn on Friday. And uh, apparently, according to the New York Times, during the meeting, Trump considered making Sidney Powell a lawyer for his campaign team, and who was fired, right? She, she was fired. A special counsel investigating voter fraud. No, 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 no. This is a terrible idea. The reason it is a terrible idea is because she literally suggested that the Chinese and Venezuelans had stolen the election without providing any significant evidence in court at all of these, of these suppositions. Sidney Powell was fired for, from, from Rudy Giuliani's legal team for very good reason. Most of his advisors opposed the idea, including Giuliani, by the way. Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, White House counsel Pat Cipollone, repeatedly pushed back on the ideas being proposed, which reportedly included Trump asking Flynn about Flynn's suggestion of deploying the military. Okay, again, file this. Everyone's going to go nuts over this. And frankly, the suggestion is absurd on its face. No one's deploying the military to overturn the results of the Electoral College. But it, the, the reason that uh, it doesn't matter is because uh, it doesn't matter. In, in terms of actual outcome, it's not going to matter. Is it insane that Trump even suggested that? Yeah, it's kind of insane that Trump suggested that. But file that under a lot of other things Trump has said that over, over the course of the last few years uh, that are, are not quite in the realm of uh, the reasonable. So that, that, is, that is where things stand. Again, the process continues to move forward. The House will have a final opportunity to change the results of the Electoral College in January. Um, but there's been no sign that that is going to happen. Okay, so later today, Matt Walsh will be here. He'll be guest hosting. This shows two additional hours of content. Make sure to come tune in for that. In the meantime, we'll see you here tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Our associate producers are Rebecca Doyle and Savannah Dominguez. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental. And that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, let's say you were a stormtrooper and you were enjoying a nice meal of roasted Ewok in the Death Star mess hall. Well, all of a sudden you hear the voice of Alec Guinness saying, use the force, Luke. The next thing you know, the entire place is going up in flames around you. And it's at this moment you really wished you had life insurance. Make life insurance part of your financial planning this year. Start shopping right now with Policy Genius. Find the right policy and protect your family. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies and find your lowest price. Luckily, Policy Genius helps you compare your options from top companies and their team of licensed experts. Well, they're on hand to help talk you through it. No added fees. Your personal information remains private. It's super satisfying to check life insurance off that to-do list. A good life insurance plan can give you peace of mind that if something happens to you, God forbid, 
your family will be able to cover mortgage payments, college costs, or other expenses. Life insurance through your workplace might not offer enough protection for your family's needs. It's not going to follow you if you leave your job. Head on over to policygenius.com right now. Save time and money. Give your family a financial safety net with Policy Genius. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro or click that link in the description. Get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro. Hold up. 